0: Hey there, all you DC comic book fans, DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of podcasts, fans of top five lists. If you fall into any, all, or none of those categories, welcome. You've arrived at the DC Comics News spinner rack. It's like those, uh, well, as I remember him as a kid, these wire racks that will always be at like the end of the uh, magazine aisle. And they had comic books they would spin, I'd find them in drugstores, I would find them, uh, we had a place called uh, Dick's Newsstand, I always remember they had one. Anyways, the deal with the spinner rack was there were so many books, but there was no way you could take them all home, or at least we couldn't. So, the idea of picking top five, what would be the coolest ones, if I had the money, if I had, you know, the uh, okay to do it, which top five would I pick? And that's what I try and do right here for you with every week of DC Comics that comes out. I pick my top five. I jump right into it. I'm usually kind of excited about it. So sometimes i like mess up names or, you know, just enthusiastically maybe give away something. I usually don't. But if you catch me, well, I, I made the mistake. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> this is episode number 123. And... Without any more rambling and mumbling and things like that, I'm going to jump right into my first choice, which is Pennyworth, number two. This one, the story, Warehouse of Dead Monstrosities, great title, uh, written by Scott Brian Wilson, with art by Juan Gettian. We've got colors by John Rausch. I hope I'm saying that right. And then we've got uh, A.W.'s D.C. Hopkins, doing the letters and cover by Jorge Fornes, Pennyworth was just one of those great shows for me when it showed up. I absolutely um, took to it. I mean, I really enjoyed the initial preview that we had gotten with a teaser trailer for season one. And then diving into season one, it was something I could watch during uh, the shutdown with my wife as well as my mother-in-law. Although there were some moments that my mother-in-law had turned ahead or just said, you know, why do we have to see that? But other than that, it was well received overall by everyone the uh comic book series that companies adds on to you can go with all the things that work best for you is a really great story one in which in this issue number two and somehow i missed issue number one there was probably just one of those weeks. I mean, I've seen the, uh, the pull list. There, there's going to be weeks when there's like 20 some odd books and they're not all going to make it. It's going to be really tough. <laughs> with that in mind, I really enjoyed the way this story picks up with a couple of very powerful themes that are in my imagination or opinion or even theorizing without too much speculating are going to come to a head soon in this issue. And one of them is the fact that here in Pennyworth, we get the chance to see a part of his life when Alfred was able to have a companion, a good friend, someone that he knew from his days when he was just a boy watching his father as a butler to a very powerful man. The daughter of that powerful man is named Shirley and she joins him on many an adventure when it's possible. Alfred makes a point of saying, yes, we both came up uh, through different avenues and connected while we are here, but we don't get as many missions together as we like, and when we do get missions together, it's an opportunity for us to rekindle things, which is fun, but it also puts this pressure on that I felt since first issue, which is this idea of he's never felt like things wouldn't go on without her, that things would always be something that involved the two of them, and that it would always be something that he could rely on. It was one of those reliable factors in his life at that time, that even though they took horrible risks, there was no belief in his mind that at some point they would get a comeuppance or terrible things would happen to them. And and for me, that just feels like one of those devices where it's like, okay, so how much foreshadowing is this suggesting, not only for something bad to happen, but for the possibility of something bad to happen, and that to dictate Alfred's actions. I also enjoy the fact that in this, we get a great little recap to a time when Alfred is going out with his father and members of a very well-to-do family. And it was a rare opportunity for Alfred. It was the first time he'd been allowed on a uh, outdoors trip and very quickly. There's a horrible event, which is described by some as an accident, and at least by one other as something other than an accident. And then we're in the present day, or at least the present day for Alfred, which is he and Shirley conducting MI5 action. And they are aware now of a dangerous weapon that is being developed in a very, very cold place, very far away from any support or backup or resources. And that in addition to these powerful new weapons, there is the fact that they are otherwise outnumbered in the way that they have infiltrated this place, something that was accomplished because Shirley has quite an exceptional Uh, linguistic capability, the ability to capture an accent and uh, repeat it perfectly, where Alfred almost got them in a severe amount of trouble last issue, simply because he mixed up two words and their meanings, and it almost went really bad. Now, a lovely twist as well is the fact that there is a present, present day, as in Alfred as a much older man, who is in a predicament that he believes will be solved, as long as certain truths that have always been consistent are maintained. Yet there is also the fact that someone has predicted that and there is a series of overarching stories which are told through different timelines and I'm really enjoying where they're leading to. It's one of the reasons why I found that Pennyworth 2 was a perfect choice for my first book on this week's episode and why I'm happy to Go ahead and share it with you. as a great 5 out of 5 pick. Highly recommend it. You'll have to let me know what you think. Keeping things in the Bat family and enjoying a really great Bat story is I Am Batman, issue number one. For starters, my goodness, the covers are just ridiculous. I mean, you know, the, uh, the standard cover is phenomenal. It's absolutely amazing. The next very is, well, they're both really perfect. All three covers. Look, if you get all three, I will not have anything bad to say about that. Just like I don't have anything bad to say about the story inside. The beginning, written by John Ridley, with art by Olivier Coipel. I hope I said that right. Alex Sinclair on the colors, ALW's Troy Pateri on the letters, original cover by Compel. Koipel, and Romolo Fajardo Jr. Variant covers by Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, and Dave McCraig and Francesco Mattina, with a 125 variant by Kale Nguyen, and a team variant by Gabriel Del Otto. Man, if I butchered any of those names, just let me know. I take full responsibility, and... um, what I love is this really great story that, boy, it it starts out really fast. You go from uh, a classic Batcave technology-surrounded environment to tearing through the streets on a motorcycle, fully aware of the fact that while wearing a Batman costume, you've now basically put a bullseye on the uh, back front of your head as well as chest and back and that seems to be part of the mission here. How is it that you can let the people know that Batman isn't dead, that Batman is here, that he is fighting for Gotham, and that unlike the magistrates' peacekeepers, this Batman has a message, one that he is not going to stop sharing, one that he is not going to stop demonstrating, and one that he hopes will begin to spread among people. Give them an opportunity to consider what life could be like again without the magistrate and if they depended on Batman. There's some really telling moments when he prevents a crime and then also stops a dangerous joyrider and gives some really great advice as well as opportunities. And then we also get a great street-level view of things from a pair of detectives who are jaded and aware of the fact, at least one of them is, that things have changed significantly in regards to how the people see the police, how they view them as nothing more than an extension of the magistrate, the extension of the big brother, you know, watching over everyone that has become part of the surveillance state in Gotham. And then just for bonus, we get some awesome fight scenes, some gorgeous colors. There is one actually where Batman breaks out Two lovely weapons that remind me of another member of the Bat family and what he does with them. Well, that's just a really good time. Uh, Lots of great reasons for me to continue saying I Am Batman Number 1 is such an awesome book. I'm excited to see where this story is going to take us, how much more of it we can look forward to. And uh, for me, really, I mean, there's a couple of moments near the end that I think you're absolutely going to dig. And there's a great character reference that is a nice nice homage to a period in comics when this was a character that was more recognizable and these days perhaps less so i'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next issue and if we get a chance to have i am batman back here on the dc comics new spinner rack with my second book out of the way it's time as always to go ahead and take our quick ad break Catch you up on all the great things going on here at DC Comics News and all the shows you can be uh, enjoy, and other things you can look forward to. And then we'll be back with my third, fourth and fifth choices. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast here every week to talk everything DC movies, TV,
1: comics and everything in between. But don't just say my word for it. Here are a couple of our
2: sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos
1: are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked.
2: (laughs) No. podcast catcher first there was the dc comics news podcast then came the spitter rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff i just mentioned i am the knight a story about the stories a show celebrating batman the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode, just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I
0: am the Knight. Why hello there, I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madbub, a Harley Quinn cast. Three,
2: two, one.
0: Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this
1: crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, gogart. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the battle i nuts. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis.
2: Humans make good fertilizer.
1: You can't f- with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake, I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers.
2: Hmm. Educational and informative.
1: What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News.
2: I am Tony Hasty for this show.
1: And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe.
2: We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome. And sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Your discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot.
1: Yes. Yeah. And probably, <laughs> maybe by episode five, getting to our 100th f- joke. <laughs> <laughs> Here's <from> hoping. <laughs>
2: we're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cup.
1: want. <laughs> Scooby Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about.
2: That's what the show is about. We're gonna That's be talking the- about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go.
1: No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Want God damn it! Look, all right. We're back gonna Scooby Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you were a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo.
2: Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes.
1: Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's seasonable, whatever. Check us out.
2: (laughs) Not getting rid of the Santa hat. Available exclusively on YouTube.
0: And hey there, welcome back. You have returned with me and us. to the DC Comics new Spinner episode number 123. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Thanks for enjoying all those great ads and that cool little jazzy sound that brings us right back here for our third, fourth, and fifth choices. And for choice number three, I decided to go with a, a book that really caught my interest. I'm talking about Titans United. And uh, man, first off, the variant uh, Virgin cover is just phenomenal. And the, the one with Nightwing throwing the uh, stick is just ridiculous. It's so well done. I enjoy the uh, other variant as well. And then the original cover is just a really classic, fun team going into action moment. And then inside, we have a really great story that for me feels like an interesting decision. And I think one that's going to create some really fun chapters as it follows. Uh, It's called Power Grab and it's written by Kavon Scott with uh, Jose Luis on the uh, pencils, Jonas Trindad with the inks, Rex Locus with the colors, Carlos M. Mangual with the letters, Jamal Campbell with the cover, Kale Nagu with the uh, variant cover, I'm still not sure when I say a lot of names if I'm saying it right. I'm pretty sure I'm saying it wrong, but let me know. And Jung-Yun Yidon providing the 120 variant cover. Again, man, even when I think I'm on my game, and sometimes when I know I'm not, like just let me know if there's a better way for me to say the name. I will get it down. When it comes to this story, I love the idea of suddenly this poor random person, potentially, getting powers that belong to members of the Titans, whether it's laser vision, the ability to change into green-hued animals, or to level out some serious power, uh, the kind of which is difficult for even someone like Raven to contain, and that has the ability to knock Connor on his keister. It's a powerful uh, example of what sort of force they might be dealing with especially when it's something that reminds me of like an amazo situation or a mazo however you want to say it i think as a kid i always thought of it as a mazo That's just the way i thought of it but uh i also got a kick out of the fact that the person doing it wasn't a creation on first appearances they weren't outright some you know, diablo- diabolical machination or construction or conception that was brought to life for the sole purpose of taking their powers and, in that moment, taking them away. Now, on top of it, it seems as though Connor has been struggling with his powers overall. And this leads to some really interesting confrontation with Red Hood, who I, I, I feel is going to be a really interesting catalyst as far as uh, conflicts, as well as story development, as well as how the team sort of deals with the fact that this is a killer. This is a guy who does things very differently. So seeing him in a team environment with the Titans, who are not known for doing a lot of killing and are more often known for, uh, well, choosing another path. So how is it that Red Hood is going to complicate matters? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. He clearly has, you know, a grudge with Connor. And then, of course, there's going to be the continuing mystery of how is it that someone who is an ex-con, but mostly known for burglary and some small cons, um, actual, like, con jobs suddenly starts exhibiting metahuman powers and the ability to absorb or utilize the ones from the titans and then we have a great suggestion of where the story could be going and my favorite part about it is that it involves a young man who goes by the name of charles brown that's right looking forward to seeing if we get the chance to have titans united number two back on An upcoming episode of The Smitter Wreck, so we can see just what is it that's happening. Now, for my next choice, this is a difficult book because unless you've been following the Rorschach series, when you get to issue number 12, it might not be clear what has been going on in the events preceding, and even if it is clear why it is that the characters within the scene might have suspicious if not dangerous motives in mind and if that is part of what i felt was a really clear underlying tension even as i tried to think back over everything that occurred in issues one through eleven i was also aware that because there's a time lapse between each issue because i didn't go back and read numbers one through eleven prior to issue number 12 there were some moments that i wanted to go back and reread those issues for so i could look for what i felt were key subtleties But even what I was able to remember, for me, was really important because it suggests what happens when a conspiracy to commit a conspiracy that looks like a conspiracy. (laughs) And if I'm spinning a top, well, just join me on this. If you have read Rorschach 12 and you know what I'm talking about, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I think you'll agree with me. This is not an issue that explains everything that's led up to it all of the nuances contained within the previous issues and then neatly suggests and then presents what the solution is and then accomplishes it. Instead, this is a murky period, I feel. This is a murky time. This is one in which the technology is not available like it is now, that there are cracks and holes and places where people can slip through and out. And those who do and know how can make decisions about what events will actually transpire and who the guilty parties are and how they must be addressed, if not potentially punished. Whew, a lot of heavy stuff going on in here. I love the political intrigue. I really love the direction of the narratives that have really sort of given us this character who's trying to piece together who these disparate people are and how it is that there is a thread between them, what that thread is, where the connections are made, where they are lost, and how events transpire to bring him to the point where he not only understands what's going on, but who's behind it and the why. A lot of great stuff in there I'd like to recommend for you. I highly encourage you get the chance to check it out. Because Rorschach number twelve, like the entire series, is doing something that I feel is one of those great examples of how far you can take great stories, great storytelling, great comic book stories, and make them just so much more than they have been up to that point. It's a wonderful example of just how good it can get. I was really pleased with the uh, final developments. I really like the direction, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and more. And with that, it's time for my fifth and final book. And this book this book has really done some amazing things. I am really impressed with all of the possibilities and directions. And I feel like, man, I mean, there's always an intention when you're writing you know, a story. There's always an intention when you're telling a comic book story, because part of that telling involves recognizing how much of the visual is doing the telling, how much of the dialogue and the narrative is doing the telling. And through it all, how much you can enjoy simply because you can go about it from two ways. You can just read right through, not even look for those differences and those decisions, or you can, with that critical eye, think about the approach to setting up that page, setting up those scenes, making it all feel so much more, in my opinion, interesting, simply because of the choices, and how successful or unsuccessful they might be. James Ty in the fourth, man, constantly providing great examples, just really crafting some really wonderful threads that continue to weave and weave. And the gift is watching it grow and expand the lovely patterns contained within. Um, Guillaume March art is top-notch, with colors by Arif Prianto that are stellar, and perfectly subdued when needed tom napolitano's letters are always professional always capture great voice always convey it well and guilla march and ivan placencia's cover is whoo <laughs> it's good stuff as well as the uh james Stockoff, ben oliver and simone bianchi variant covers i mean Kind of like that I am Batman one. This is one of those where it's like, hey, if you got all those covers, you're probably gonna be okay. You might be a little lighter in the wallet, but you know, these things happen. I also love the way we start out our story on Santa Frisca and we have this suggestion of the influence that was left behind by Bane and the now um, Bane experience (laughs) that is being marketed as a new way forward and how it is that there is some uh, potential trouble in store. Now, at least one person who is present for all of the events is clearly of a different mind and is in communication with Barbara Gordon, who either inadvertently or unknowingly or something else entirely is making a phone call to a woman who has identified as Julia Pennyworth. Is there more to this? Oh, I I would imagine so. But we also get a great opportunity to then shift gears over to Jim Gordon, who is currently being interrogated. Because it would appear his hunt that he has been sent on to find the Joker, well, it's definitely getting some notice. He's getting some attention. And that attention is leading the police to ask a lot of questions about where he's been, what he's seen, what has been done. And meanwhile, back at the uh, compound that is Oracle's, well, there's a, sur- a surprise, maybe an anticipated, maybe not anticipated, arrival of yet another force to contend with. Now, what's great about the uh, the moment that we have with Gordon in the interrogation room is it carries over towards the end of the story and as we get closer we not only get the chance to see what it's like for Jim to be out in the public a bit and then we also get a very fun surprise arrival maybe again you anticipated this and it's not as fun or a surprise for me I thought it was a really great choice and I absolutely enjoyed the way that the uh, Joker number seven does so many things so well and continues to be a regularly occurring title here on the spinner rack. But that also means that brings us to our, well, that was our fifth book, a great five out of five choice, and where we will leave things now at the end here of episode number 123 of the DC Comics News spinner rack. I'd like to thank you once again for hanging out with me, whether you've been here from the very beginning or this is your first episode. Love the fact that you're here. I would love to hear your opinions for all of those who share your thoughts, questions, comments. Always appreciate. And hey, whatever you want to share with me about any of the titles I chose or more importantly didn't choose or anything else you'd like to add, including names you know I've said incorrectly, man, Send it all our way. You can always communicate with us on all your favorite social media platforms. Just use the at DC Comics News. Uh, What is it? Handle? Yeah. Handle it is. Uh, That's capital D, capital C, capital C. -C O-M-I-C-S, capital N, U-W-S, DC Comics News. Wherever you uh, use that handle with a message from me, the whole team, whatever, we always get the chance to be part of a great conversation with you one of our favorite parts of telling you all the stuff we learn about DC Comics. And then, of course, make sure, whatever platform you're listening on, hit the subscribe button, and that will guarantee you get all the new episodes of of shows like Spinner Rack, the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, which is movies, television, streaming, comic book, and more news headlines. We love to bring your way, our thoughts, perspectives, insights. And then we have great episode-by-episode programming, Stuff like the Batman the Animated series, which is captured in I Am the Night, as well as Mad Love, a really fun and somewhat raunchy look at the Harley Quinn show that is now on HBO Max. Also like to encourage you to stay tuned because new programming is always on the way and we love for you to be a part of it. With that, thanks so much once again for hanging out. Being part of this episode and every episode that you're here, can't wait to share next week's books with you right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And as we always like to say, as part of that great send-off, always read more comics. Thanks, everyone. Have a great one.